Infirmary Media. Broadcasting from the Infirmary Media Studios, it's the adult-only retro game show where the 80s and 90s battle for supremacy because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. Let's meet this week's duelers and the decades they will be fighting for in this month's birthday battle. I am Mark James, and this week I will be dueling with my 10th birthday, February 5th, 1988. And my opponent. Yo, what up? It's Man Crush. I have April 13th, 1996. Happens to be my 18th birthday. So that's kind of fun. Let's do this shit. And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So we brought back a longtime cast member and fan favorite here on the show. He's back, Duelers and Duelettes, the host of the Video Rangers podcast, the Honorable Mike Ranger. That's right. Mike Ranger here. I'm back. I know you all miss me, even though I got not not one fucking email, Instagram message, nothing. <laughs> He's back. You know who else is coming back? Wax. He actually just sent me a message today. He wants to come back on to be a judge. Nice. So what oh, timing man. is that? Mike Ranger comes back. Wax wants to come back. Oh, man. What's in the cards? Now, for those of you that are new to the show here, what Man Coach is referring to is we had hip-hop international superstar Wax on the program a while back, and we spontaneously sprung on him that Mike Ranger was going to do a rap battle with him, <laughs> and Wax choked, man. <laughs> Mike Ranger took down the mighty Wax. <laughs> we pulled one out of left field. He totally was not expecting. <laughs> he was not prepared. Mike came in with like a page full of notes and shit. Right. Mike comes in with a whole with bars written all out. And we're like, hey, Wax, you want to do a rap battle right now? <laughs> he was so like, uh, all right. All right, let's do it. <laughs> you know? but, but see, that's what's cool about Wax, man, is he is up for anything. So I cannot wait to get him here on Dueling Decades. And he did a fucking fantastic live rendition of Limousine on the show. Oh, Acoustic. Was awesome. It was yeah. fucking amazing. One of my favorite songs of his. Check him out. If you haven't, look up Big Wax. I think it's at Big Wax on Twitter or on Instagram or wherever you can find it. Look for a song, Limousine. It's a shit. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. A judge's coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. Duelers, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, because it's time to play some more Dueling Decades. <laughs> Let's head it over to Mike Ranger for the official toss-off. 
All right, today uh, we're going to be tossing off to a uh, VHS copy of the 1986 classic Snowballing, mm. which, is, which has a few extra meanings. Uh, okay. All right, Man Crush, you call it in the air. Oh, man, let's go. I don't even know how to do this anymore. Let's go heads. Heads. Let's go heads. Front cover. Heads and snowballing kind of go together. That's why I did it. <laughs> All right, let's flip it. And it's heads. Yeah. All right. Man Crush has control of the board. What category are we going to open up with tonight here in this birthday battle? It's tough with birthdays, but let's uh, let's start off with hot products. All right. Let's I'm game that. for that, man. All right. So we're doing things a little bit different for hot products for this birthday episode because, like, one, people have been asking us to do less sports categories. Fine. And two... I think it makes more sense with the birthday episode. So what we're going to do is we're using a newspaper, which we always use newspapers.com. So if you don't have an account there, go check it out. But we go through this newspaper on our birthday. If we find an item that's advertised in that newspaper that we really wanted during that, you know, our birthday period or birthday day, that's the item we're going to pick. Or maybe it's something that we actually got. But it has to be something that's realistic. Like you can't come out with a fucking Ferrari because you found it in an ad. <laughs> it's got to be something that we actually wanted. All right. So that's right. how we're going to do hot products for today. So, Mike, that's how you're going to judge us. You're going to judge us on the things we picked, how cool they were, you know, whether it related to our birthday. I don't know. You, you're the judge. You do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now on mine, I didn't get either of these, but I really wanted both. All right. Uh, at the time. Like I said before, I, this is my 18th birthday. I was enrolled to go to film school after graduation. I was heading to Atlanta, uh, but a few weeks prior to my high school graduation, I was basically talked out of that by the film school itself. I was talking to one of the professors, and I asked him how hard it was to find work. And without batting an eyelash, this guy told me, he's like, look, do you want to be a director? There's plenty of work out there right now. There's movies, music videos, documentaries, you name it. But you're always going to be living out of your suitcase and you're only going to be good, as good as your last production. So this is what clinched it for me. So I asked him a follow up. I said, uh, so how did you end up teaching? And he said, well, my, my last my last directorial thing or whatever he had was a flop and I never recovered. And I came to school and I love teaching and. That was it for me. I was like, well, fuck, I am not teaching a bunch of fucking kids. So I'm out. But I always wondered if I made the right choice. But luckily, at least this dude was honest. And, you know, I took that path. But anyhow, I always wanted one of these new eight millimeter camcorders to record my videos with. And like mostly at the time I was recording like dumb stunts that we did. And there's some fucked up ass shit that we did that I can't even go into on this podcast. Nothing sexual or anything, but just fucked up shit that we did. Uh, my friend's skateboarding videos I did a lot of, made music videos and whatnot. So my first choice that I found in the newspaper was this Hitachi VME510 that was on sale at The Wiz for $797, which is around $1,300 in 2020. So it's not crazy amount of money. It's expensive, but I think my parents, maybe for my 18th birthday, would have done this, but they didn't. But it had some cool shit on it, had 24 times zoom, had a remote control so you can do some uh, recording hands-free. It had an electronic stabilizer on it, so no more wobbly footage. And this deal also came with a free case and tripod 
perfect for someone like myself, at least for a month until I decided not to go to film school. So we had the Itachi VME 510 for $797. And for my second choice, at the time, this is 1996, so cell phones were still pretty rare unless you were rich, you know, your parents had money or something. I only knew like one kid in high school with a cell phone. That said, everyone at this time was starting to get pagers. And if you didn't have one already, you wanted one. And I wanted a good one. I And everyone, I don't know if this is like a, like a territorial thing. Did you call them pagers or beepers? I call them beepers. Beepers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe that's a Northeast thing. Cause I know a lot of my friends from down South called them pagers. But whatever, fuck it. Uh, I didn't end up getting one till uh, that summer, and it was one of those government issued types. You know, the ones that everyone had. It was like that clear jellyfish mold where you could see the inside, yep. and the reading was on the yeah, top. The Motorola's. Yeah. Well, the one that I really wanted though was actually also a Motorola. It was the Motorola's Motorola Advisor Flex. Uh, this was the pager that had the full display, like on the side. Do you know the one I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah. And I believe at the time. It came with a phone number that you could accept pages or you could leave a message with an operator if you had like a little bit of a longer message. So you can almost get like a text. So at the time, this was the closest thing that we were getting to an actual text message on these. That's why I thought it was so fucking cool. And you got free voicemail with these things. So someone could actually leave you a longer message. If you wanted to be in the know in the 90s, though, this is what you needed. You know, if you wanted to figure out what was going on on Friday nights, somebody had to send you a beep. They had to leave you a message on your voicemail. Otherwise, you were sitting at home and waiting for the phone to ring. So that's why I wanted one of these. You could find these pagers or beepers for around $149 after discounts. We all know how that went in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> which is about $250 in 2020. Service plans were about $30 a month. So that's about $50 a month in 2020. Completely instrumental device at the time. Like I said before, no more waiting around the phone for somebody to call you at your house. Now you can finally be anywhere and get a call. I mean, as long as you're by like a payphone bank or some shit to return the call. But it was also great. You know what made beepers awesome? It was when you actually started going out to bars and clubs and meeting people and you don't want to give them your fucking home phone number. So you just give them your beeper number. Oh, I was just going to say you could always tell who the dealers were. <laughs> no. I mean, at this point, <laughs> at this point, like towards the late 90s, everyone was getting it. It's not like Heather in the real world where she's the only motherfucker in the house <laughs> with a pager or beeper. This is the late 90s. Everyone had a fucking beeper. But this one was just a little bit more special because you could do a little bit more with it. And you get these full on text messages. I think it's pretty fucking cool. So it was the Motorola Advisor Flex beeper. Those are my two choices for my birthday on April 13th, 1996, which I got none of. Solid picks, man. Whew. I wish my parents had spent $780 or whatever that was for well, a birthday present After for I me. dropped out of school and they lost their deposit, I definitely did not get any of this shit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember what I got, to be 100% honest. I don't. Yeah, see, if you were smart, man, you could have used your student loan money to uh, to buy the camera. <laughs> no, I think but. I got the hand-me-down <laughs> car for my 18th birthday, so I got the Ford Taurus station wagon. Nice, the fuck truck. The shagging wagon. <laughs> All right, guys, so for my hot products take, I went back over to newspapers.com, did some research on there. Now, February, not a hot month for toys being advertised, because a lot of those toys were advertised in December for the Christmas rush. 
So I dug a little hard on this one and I found, now keep in mind, we're February 5th, 1988. So I find an ad in the Hartford Current from a store called Tokyo Shapiro. All kinds of consumer electronics you could buy in here. 19-inch portable color TV, 187 bucks. Get yourself a VCR with remote for 136 bucks, Or you could get yourself some video games. There's a nice ad in here. See our great selection of Nintendo and Sega game cartridges. As low as $19.99. So what I find a little odd about this is this is February 5th, 1988. Sega had, had not been released yet. So I'm like, man, I'm never, I could buy these at uh, Tokyo Shapiro, but I couldn't play it. So I had to find a Sega to play on, but it's not released. So I went over to the Sheboygan Press on February 5th, 1988. And in the classified section, I actually found an ad. Sega Master System with four cartridges, $150 firm. So 1988, almost a year before it had been released in the United States. So that's my first hot product, Sega in 1988. My second hut product I'm going to go with is I found an ad for Children's World. I wanted some toys to play with. You know, I was a big G.I. Joe fan. And there's an ad. There's some new arrivals for Valentine's Day at Children's World. You can get the G.I. Joe Cobra Sea Ray for $11.95. It was a, like a 12-track tank that you could ride on. Or you could also get the G.I. Joe Persuader for also for eleven ninety five, that was kind of more of a helicopter vehicle. Don't know if you guys are familiar with either of these vehicles, but GI Joe vehicles, pretty damn badass in nineteen eighty eight. So those are my two hot products. Over to Judge Mike Ranger. Well, the, see, this is tough because you have to look at it from like two different perspectives. Like, because obviously, like somebody that's about eighteen years old is going to be looking right. You're, you're going to find high-end electronics a little bit more appealing I went with, than by, toys. with what i would have wanted for my 10th birthday because february 5th 1988 my 10th birthday i wanted gi joes and video games and he also wanted whatever the judge would want for his 10th birthday <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't that funny the way that things work out that way right <laughs> <laughs> I like to believe that nobody's picks were done with what I would have <laughs> wanted. Now, see, that was the interesting thing about this. And if I lose this round, I'm okay with that because I want to know why the hell I could buy Sega stuff in 1988. All right. Well, here's the thing. Now that when I, when I really look at this, like the downside to the Sega Master System is you would have been a very disappointed child. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. G.I. Joe vehicles, that's cool, but then, you know, who the fuck's putting them together? They were Ugh, mostly just stickers, but, though. Yeah, but I put my stickers upside down all the time. <laughs> yeah. I just never bothered with it because I knew I'd fuck yeah, it up. Yeah, or they'd get torn off and then your shit would look like garbage because you'd have that torn off sticker look to the side of it. That happened to mine all the time. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you go in the tub with them, the stickers came right off anyway, so... Yeah, and then you got to like come up with a big story about how there was a big whoop, you know, big battle the week fucking before ID. and fucking sign got blown off. Yep. You know, Snake Eyes got a little crazy. Um <laughs> now, but when I look at it over on the other side, I'm really enticed by this Motorola pager because you know, you can have like, you know, your your mom paid you like. or or you can sell some drugs. <laughs> 
Or you could sell some drugs for your mom. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, let me show you a picture of what this thing looks like so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh all right. Good. Before I make a decision, let me know what it looks like. Well, because this is like, there's two different. I think most people, when you think of pagers, you think of the government issued, you know, you got your uh, your numbers on the top and that little screen, but not this one, not this Motorola. The Flex had that screen on the front, like you'd wear it on your fucking hip. The message would come out to the outside, so you would pop it off your hip and look at that, and you get like a full-on message. So, you know, I'm, you know the one I'm talking oh, about now. Oh, I remember these. Yeah. They came in a very, very nice little yes. case that went on your belt. It was the Blackberry yep. of pagers. Yeah, this is a nice pager. <laughs> That's a sweet Man. fucking pager, bro. Yeah, yeah, it is. If your dealer had this pager, you were getting some quality <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. Very, very nice. You must, you know, if you had this pager, the amount of fucking vagina that you would have been swimming <laughs> just in. Just falling out of your pockets all day. Yeah, I know. You're like, you have to tuck your shirt in just to show off your pager. <laughs> yeah, your beeper would be blowing up. Yeah, I mean, this is a cool beeper, too. It's not like the ones that, you know, the volunteer firefighters had. They, you know, the, like the beeper's going off in school, and you're looking at them like, you're not going anywhere, man. Shut it off. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to give this one to uh, Man Crush strictly because up until 2009, I was still buying my weed through my dealer's pager. <laughs> Medicinally, for medicinal purposes. However, the Sega Master System is huge in Brazil. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, I don't know how much of a hot product it was before it was released in the United States, so I knew it was a little touchy there, but I was just intrigued that it was even kind of available, and they were advertising that you could buy the game cartridges but yeah, a year before cool. it was released, so I thought that was kind of cool. All right, Man Crush, you got control of the board. What category we got next, man? Uh, let's go news. Ah, good selection for a one-point yeah. round. News aren't always the most exciting thing, but I think there's a demographic of the show that wants to know what the fuck was going on, even though we never give them really hard-hitting news. What do you mean? Those Princess Diana stories <laughs> are great. Not You can eat poinsettias. That is probably the best news story I've right. ever had. Uh, this one, again, is a news story from my birthday, April 13th, 1996, and the, name of this, well, the title of the story is High Tech Firm Hits Pay Dirt. And I'll read uh, the little clip from the story. Took a couple of years, but Jerry Yang and David Filo finally got rich last week. Yahoo. Actually, Yahoo is the name of an internet search engine, a program that helps computer users find information in the vast universe of cyberspace. It has been used without charge by up to a million people every day. It also is the name of the company that went public last week. Yahoo stock was priced at $13 for the IPO on Thursday, but it opened up at $24.50 on Friday, rose as high as $43, and closed at $33. So basically, Yahoo went public, and the uh, the guys that made it got filthy fucking rich. And, of course, everybody knows Yahoo, and as of a couple of years ago, they actually ended up selling to Verizon, I think, in like 2013 or 2014. But these guys, I'm sure they have tons of fucking cash. Uh, but this is when it happened for them. They went, they took this thing public, and during the uh, the dot com bubble, I think it was as low as eight dollars after the bubble burst. But before that, it was up to uh, like a hundred something bucks a share, which was everything was going crazy with the dot dot com bubble was fucking insane uh, in the early two thousands, and this was all part of it right here. 
with Yahoo. Nice. Remember those commercials for Yahoo? Yahoo. This was like before <laughs> Facebook or before like Google was the shit. You had Yahoo that put yeah. everybody out of business, like AltaVista and Excite and all the other. I can't even remember half of them. There was like, remember at the time there was like a dozen. Yeah, there was a dozen, and then Yahoo came along and kind of there was kind of absorbed all of yeah. them. Yeah, there was Alta Vista, Ask Jeeves. Oh, there was tons. I can't even think of half of them. And then Yahoo actually eventually ended up using Google's search engine for Yahoo before creating their own again. And then, of course, uh, selling a couple years ago. But they are still around. The website's still there, and you can still do shit. I haven't used it in forever, but it's a pretty big deal. Uh, my second news story comes from April 13th, 1996. Astronomers find another new planet. Astronomers in California say they have found another planet around a sun-like star, this time in the constellation Cancer. And I don't really know science fiction all that much, and I'm not going to get into this, but I just think it's cool that in 1996, they were actually finding planets, which, you know, nowadays, I feel like we see it all the time. They're like, oh, we found A, B, C, D, E, F, G, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, dash 9 in, uh, you know, some solar system 49,000 light years away. But this one was like 45 light years away. And I looked it up and there is some information about this place. The uh, The name of the planet. I'll skip the rest of the article. It's called 55RHO Cancri, and it's in the northern portion of the constellation Cancer. It's about the mass of Jupiter. It orbits close to its star. Uh, in this case, it's one-tenth the distance from Earth to the sun and three times closer than Mercury, or less than 10 million miles. So there you have it. We uh, ended up finding a planet 10 million miles away. I don't know how that happens, but it's pretty fucking cool. On brighter news, the uh, cancerous planet was removed from the solar system, and the universe will be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's actually still around. They changed the name, too. Now it's called Galileo. Well, that's a much yes, better name. De to definitely be better than... Uh, it's much better than fucking Cankersaur or whatever it was called. R-H-O Cankery. <laughs> Those are my two stories. We've got the Yahoo going public, getting rich as fuck. And uh, astronomers finding a new planet on my birthday. Some great birthday stories. Now, here on these birthday battles, you kind of got to roll with what you get on for news on your birthday. Unfortunately, February 5th, 1988, not the greatest news, especially for Arizona Governor Evan Meacham, who was impeached that day. Uh, he was found guilty of concealing a $350,000 campaign loan and also borrowing $80,000 in state money for his auto dealership. So he kind of got caught with his hand in the cookie jar on that one and was impeached for it. So that's my first news story. Not much there to talk about. We're just going to roll past that. When is somebody going to get convicted of mopery on this fucking show? I'm, I've been looking for it, man. One day. Whoever gets mopery is going to win the round. Well, I've been convicted twice. I can't go near a school. <laughs> All right. What do you have for your second one? All right. So for my second news story, February 5th, 1988, top headline, all the newspapers, Manuel Noriega and 15 others are indicted in Miami on 12 counts. And it alleges that Noriega allowed Colombian drug lords to use Panama as a safe haven for shipping cocaine to the United States from 1981 all the way up to 1986. 
collecting at least $4.6 million in payoffs. Noriega is simultaneously indicted in Tampa on charges that he conspired to ship 1.4 million pounds of marijuana to Mark James's house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the marijuana wasn't going to my house, but it was coming into the United States. So yeah, that February 5th, 1988, Noriega indicted on uh, drug smuggling charges. Okay, Michael Jackson didn't take a shit in my house, but his sister did. (laughs) So those are my two news stories. Uh, The governor of Arizona impeached and Manuel Noriega shipping a whole lot of weed and coke into the United States. I'm actually disappointed by that figure that you dropped, that he only made $4.6 million. He's a horrible businessman. For five years, that's all he made. No, 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 no. He collected f- at least $4.6 million in payoffs. Yeah, that's, that's, that's low. Not, that's not profit. That's, that's people paying him off. He should have got way so. more than that. He needed a better agent. He needs Lee Steinberg. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, the indictment pushed Noriega closer to Castro. So that's what I got from my new, two news stories. Noriega and uh, the other one there. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the uh, governor there. of Arizona being impeached. Well, he had his hand in the in the cookie jar, he said. He really did have his hand in the cookie jar. He took public funds to kind of bankroll his own personal auto dealership. I don't know if it was failing or what. Doesn't go into that detail. But he borrowed some money for personal reasons. What kind of uh, dealership was it? An auto dealership? Oh, no, like what, what kind of car? It was a Peugeot. I think, I think it was a... <laughs> It was a fucking Datsun dealership. It was a fucking Yugo dealership. (laughs) Guy invested on fucking uh, Suzuki uh, Samurais. It's going to be the best thing ever. Off-roading everywhere. (laughs) All right, Mike Ranger, off to you for the judgment on this round. This is certainly a tough one. You've given me a lot to think about. You know, uh, there's the cookie jar thing. Pujos. And... uh, you know, and then, you know, Man Crush found a planet. That's cool. <laughs> this is a cankery. Yeah. You know, drugs. Drugs are always good. Good job, Mark, with the drugs. <laughs> I try, man. Yeah. Kids love the drugs, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I think this one is, uh, this is an easy one. It, it's got to go to uh, Man Crush and Yahoo. Yahoo. Yeah. I mean, that's just, who doesn't remember that? Do you remember using Yahoo all the time and getting, I think, for pretty much everybody that I know, at least we all started with Yahoo.com email addresses. I still have a Yahoo.com address. Do you address, remember how, uh, how uh, horrible it was for spam? Well, oh, yeah. oh, still I still have that issue. Oh man, I never, I haven't checked mine yeah. in years, but I can only imagine. Uh-huh. I used to have thousands of spam messages in there. You know, uh, before we go to the next round, this was a lot closer than the audience might think at home because no, it wasn't. yes, it was because <laughs> I, I really. Doug, your uh, Meacham story. That was his name, right? Meacham? Yeah, Evan Meacham. I liked it. All right, Man Crush, you got control of the board for the final one-point round. What category do you want next? Okay, final one-point round. Let's go with television. April 13th, 1998. These ones actually happened on my birthday. Uh, and This one came as a pleasant surprise to me. I'm not going to beat around the bush too much on this one. This was the 10th ranked television show for that week with a 13.0 share. And that's the pleasant surprise because I had no idea. I seriously had no idea that Chuck Norris's 
Walker, Texas Ranger had that many eyeballs tuning into the show. And what's really impressive about this, the show came on Saturday nights at 10 p.m. Yeah, Walker was kicking the shit out of its competition at the time, uh, which included Baywatch Nights, the Fox Evening News, and Sisters. It wasn't the beginning or the end of the series, obviously. It's April 13th, 1996. Just another episode entitled Deadline. I'll give you a little synopsis of the episode here. When the Texas state legislature is pondering budget cuts, Senator Warren Hughes suggests disbanding the Texas Rangers, which would have killed the show. So we know that's not happening. Let's be real. (laughs) Unaware of a deadly plot, an experienced jewel thief has planned for his daughter, Lindsay. When the thief hatches his plan and Lindsay is buried alive, it is up to Walker and Trevette to track down Lindsay's captors where they have her buried before it's too late. In the process, Senator Hughes learns how vital the Rangers are to fighting crime. Shocker. (laughs) But who do they get to play the main bad guy in this episode? Mike, I know your brother watched this, right? Uh, Yes, he did, in my mother's robe while smoking a cigarette. that's fucking weird. So you probably were not in the same room then. No, I was, I was, to this day, I, I, I talk about that. What kind of cigarette? Newports. Of course. What other, Ooh, what other kind wow. would you smoke in your mother's robe? Paul Mall. Possibly. <laughs> Lucky strikes. Let me get back to the villain here. Uh, the villain, one of the most popular villain, villains of all time, Robert England, plays Lyle nice. Eckert. So it's no wonder why this show hit number 10 in the weekly ratings, because England is ratings gold, but uh, that's my first pick. There is a Walker, Texas Ranger. Can you can Very you believe nice. it was had a thirteen point zero share? No, that's I don't. Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, we we talk about this all the time with ratings, but even in the nineties, that's a hell of a damn share right there. Thirteen point oh. Uh, all right. So moving on, April thirteenth, nineteen ninety six. Now I'm eighteen years old. And it's television, so I'm looking at everything, and there's nothing new debuting. So I'm thinking to myself, what was I watching that night? And it wasn't Skinamax. I know maybe it was after this, but right at this point in the night, I tuned in to Saturday Night Live to watch a live performance by Rage Against the Machine and special guest host that night was none other than billionaire Steve Forbes. I don't know if you guys remember this episode. I absolutely All right. know. <laughs> so, you know, I just stumbled upon that. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. So, wow. So now, as we all know, like Rage Against the Machine, heavily political. I mean, it's in their fucking name, guys. Rage Against the Machine. So early in 1996, you got Steve Forbes. He was actually running for the Republican presidential nomination. And he dropped out of the race in March, but he still came on the show. So anyhow... The Thursday prior during rehearsal, Rage Against the Machine was told that they needed to tone down the whole performance because Forbes is going to be on the show and his family was going to be there, blah, blah, blah. That meant no cursing, even though Rage thought that they were just going to bleep everything out. But fuck, it's Rage Against the Machine. What are they going to do? So you got Bulls on Parade, which has no cursing in it. But then the second song that they were going to play was Bullet in the Head which sure has has a motherfucker in it. it I, that I know. But the SNL producers, they insisted on having a clean show, told them they couldn't do it. So they always get, they got the feeling on Thursday that there would be no second song. So during that first rehearsal, they hung that flag upside down because, and I quote the band as saying, 
We thought it was appropriate, especially in an election year, to demonstrate that, in our opinion, American democracy is inverted when your only choice is between a wealthy representative of privileged classes. And lo and behold, we got Forbes on the show, who's like the poster (laughs) boy for that ideology. So SNL wigs out and said, no, this is going to piss everybody off. The corporate sponsors are going to be pissed off. You can't do this. Anyhow, so they go on the show as soon as they're (laughs) – well, let me just get to it. So they – right before they're ready to play Bulls on Parade, they do the same thing again. They throw down the flags and they're upside down. Uh, But right before it it airs on television – the uh, the SNL stage crew like yanked the flags off, so you don't actually see it on TV. But as soon as they finished doing pulls bulls on parade, Lorne Michaels had them tossed out of the fucking building, banned them from ever coming back on Saturday Night Live again for hanging those flags upside down and disobeying what they were told. But that night, Rage Against the Machine, they joined the likes of other band hosts and musicians such as, I had to look this up because I was like, there had to be other people, Milton Berle, Frank Zappa, Andy Kaufman, Robert Blake, The Replacements, this one's great, Steven Seagal, pretty much just because he was such a horrible host, uh, Martin Lawrence, Adrian Brody, Cypress Hill, Sinead O'Connor, and a few others who were eventually invited back on the show. So that's what I had for that night. Saturday, April 13th, 1998, starting off the show, you can't beat Walker, Texas Ranger, coming in at 10th in the ratings with a 13 share, beating out fucking Baywatch Knights like a redheaded stepchild and shit, and then uh, coming out with the Rage Against Machine getting banned from Saturday Night Live. Solid. All right, so my television picks. My first one, you know, we're going to go back to February 5th, 1988, a time when things were a little simpler, you know? When streaks on the China never mattered before. Who cares? Of course, we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 13 of Mr. Belvedere, a show that I don't think has come up yet on this program, and it's a crying shame, so I had to bring up Mr. Belvedere. The episode title for this one is The Trip, Part 1. It's the first of a two-part series, a uh, two-part episode. I'm going to read you guys the synopsis to this one. I don't know. Have you, have you guys seen this episode? Are you familiar with it, Mike? Uh, you give yeah. me. You got to give me the description. Of TV okay. Shows unless I read them from IMDb. It's a very popular episode. Angela and Heather are volunteering at a retirement home. They try to cheer up one of the residents, but he is difficult. So they try everything until he tells them what he wants. Whoa. So what do you think the old man wants? Blowjob. Man crush. What do you think? Uh, finger in the butt. Finger in the butt and a blowjob. Well, I had to go ahead to the next episode, The Trip Part 2, to find out he actually wants the girls to take him to a trip to Atlantic City. Well. And of course, they do, and the parents freak out and have to go after the girls, and, you know, hijinks ensue like it always did on Mr. Belvedere. So that's my first selection, The Trip Part 1. You really can't go wrong with Mr. Belvedere, one of my favorite sitcoms growing up, and I know I would have been watching this on my birthday February 5th, 1988. My second television event also took place on February 5th, 1988, and it was the main event. At 8 o'clock p.m. on NBC from Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, the WWF broadcasted a monstrous show which drew 15.2 Nielsen rating, which equivalates to 33 million viewers. 
Both records are for American television, still stand today, and probably will never be broken. Uh, the featured match was a match between Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and it saw Andre the Giant defeat Hulk Hogan via pinfall, despite the fact that Hogan's shoulders were never on the mat, and despite the fact that there were identical twin referees, Dave and Earl Hebner, and the Million Dollar Man had set up the whole thing so he could get the belt from Andre the Giant. Of course, all of this was the backstory and lead-up to WrestleMania four which was my favorite WrestleMania of all time. So it kind of really got me into the uh, into wrestling, I think. So it drew a massive 15.2 Nielsen rating. It's probably the biggest thing that, that the WWF, WWE has ever put on television. Uh, if we look at some of the other card on here, Jake Roberts defeated Harley Race. Ron Bass defeated Coco Beware. I am sorry, Dave Schultz. Coco Beware loses again. The British Bulldogs defeat the Islanders. Jim Duggan took out the one-man gang. The Ultimate Warrior defeated Sika. Randy Savage defeated the Honky Tonk Man. And Strike Force went on to defeat the Hart Foundation that night. So solid card, top to bottom. WWF, the main event, February 5th, 1988. Those are my two TV selections. Over to Mike Ranger for the judgment for the television round. Well, that that certainly was a, impressive there. Uh, so, uh, I I hate Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> Did, I, well, I just, apparently, get that out there of the was way. a lot of motherfuckers that watch that shit. I which I was yeah. Not no, aware. listen, ten o'clock uh, on what Saturday? Saturday? Night, yeah, yeah, that's prime time viewing in Texas. But what's cool about the episode is that that Robert England is yeah. on it. That's Monumental. actually pretty cool. But yeah, but all I see is my brother in that stupid fucking robe smoking Newports. So weird. Yeah, is it silk? Yeah, that it's. I'm big. Um, no, silk. it was. No, I believe it had. It was like red with blue stripes, and it was ripped and had coffee stains and fucking pancake batter on it. Yeah. It was, oh, I think my mom had the same one. Oh, yeah. Always had pancake <laughs> batter on it, man. Yeah. Always. <laughs> Once you get it on there, you can't get it off. Pancake batter. That's a code. At least that's what mom always told me it was. <laughs> you yeah. need a DD7, bro. Gets everything <laughs> off. It's got space age polymers. <laughs> you know, the SNL thing is cool because it's always nice when somebody gets banned from yeah. SNL. I, I thought it was Who cool. doesn't enjoy that? Um, But what I, I, I have to give this one to Mark just because... Mr. Belvedere what? is just, give it just to him a for Mr. Swell Belvedere? guy. <laughs> well, the re- the re- <laughs> not not the fifteen point two Nielsen yeah. rating that's never well, been. Well, broken, the wrestling but... thing is cool, but I mean, Mr. Belvedere. No, actually, the wrestling thing is really what put it over the top. The Mr. Belvedere, I love Mr. Belvedere, and if it had been the episode where Wesley's friend has AIDS, or the episode where Wesley gets touched by the camp counselor, I would have. <laughs> I you know, I I would have just pulled my pants down, and started jerking off right now. In your mom's robe, but, yeah, in the robe with a Newport, and just add to the pancake batter. Gross. Yeah. Well. So yeah, look at that. Way to go, Mark. All Yay! right, I pick up a point. It's two to one. Game's not over yet. We're heading into the two point rounds. I have control of the board. So you know what, man crush, we're gonna head over to the music round. All right. 
All right. Now, Mike Ranger, while you got your mom's robe on and you're getting ready to jerk off, I got the perfect album for you to put on and maybe look at the album cover. Maybe something will inspire you. Sledgehammer. (laughs) Released February 2nd, 1988. I give you the album Lita from Lita Ford. Uh, This is the third studio album by Lita Ford. Uh, It was her first under RCA Records, and under the new management supervision of Sharon Osbourne. The album reached number 29 on the Billboard charts, gave us the two hit singles, Close My Eyes Forever, was a duet with Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss Me Deadly, which uh, peaked at number 8 and 12, respectively, on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. So this is just an absolute monster album. If you're a Lita Ford fan, this is where it all started for her. Kiss Me Deadly, Still one of the greatest rock songs of all time. And Close My Eyes Forever, man, that duet with Ozzy. I think it's probably my favorite Ozzy song, and it's a duet. Go figure. If I close my eyes forever, it will all remain the same. You know, it's it's actually pretty <laughs> sad. I just read the other day he's got Parkinson's. Really? Yeah, and uh, oh, man. he might not be singing anymore. I think, let me look that up, make sure it's Parkinson's, but it's, it's something not good. But go ahead, Richard. All right. So, you know, for my second selection, sometimes here on the show, we like to use all of our resources when we're making our picks. So for my music selection, I'm actually going to turn it over to a loyal listener of the show and a group member, Bill Weber. And uh, he's going to talk about this album that was released on February 4th, 1988. Hi, my name is Bill Weber, and I'm here to announce Mark's second choice in the music category. And this is right up Man Crush's alley because we know how much he loves jam bands. For Mark's second choice, he's chosen Space Wrangler, the debut album by the band Widespread Panic. This album contains some of their most classic songs like Chili Water, Space Wrangler, Port Song, Stop Go, and my favorite driving song. Widespread Panic is a band that hails from Athens, Georgia, and they've brought a southern flavor to the jam band music scene. They still are going strong to this day. Thanks, Bill Weber, for that great take on this amazing album. If you guys are not familiar with it, it's Widespread Panic, Space Wrangler. This album was reissued four separate times. Three times for a full release. The fourth time was actually a one-day-only vinyl release. The song listing on this album is absolutely incredible. There is not a bad spot on it. I've been blessed the past two or three episodes to get these great albums that are great from start to finish. And this one's no exception. Now, if Widespread Panic is not a band you're familiar with, they really brought that Southern rock feel to jam music. Now, this is 1988. This album sounds as contemporary as any Southern rock that's coming out now. Whether it's like the Allman Betts Band, or you have the uh, Chris Robinson Brotherhood, or even stuff like uh, the Zac Brown Band. I think that Widespread Panic sound then, way before its time, it's an album that still holds up today, top to bottom. So that's what I got for my music selections. Man Crush, over to you. All right. Uh, Since we're going with albums that you can listen to from beginning to end, let's start here. April 16th, 1996. And again, these birthday episodes, if we're fortunate enough to get an album on our birthday, that's a bonus. But we got to go with the closest dates we can actually get. Because sometimes they just don't release shit on our birthdays and it would be a boring fucking game if we had nothing to pick. So April 16th, 1996. 
here's this band's heavily anticipated sophomore effort that came out four years after the debut album. Uh, just to give you an idea of how long it took for this album to come out, I remember buying the self-titled debut album when I was a freshman in high school, and I had to wait until a month before I graduated for this to come out. That's a long fucking time for a big band to wait for their second album to come out. And I actually remember the day I picked this up. I was about to graduate, so I had, I played sports all, all like for every year, but this last semester of high school, I was like, fucking, I'm not playing anything. I'll get a job. So instead, I played in this indoor soccer, like intramural league with the rest of the football players. Really good times. None of us gave two fucks about soccer. So it was just more about it was like playing hockey without sticks and just kicking a ball <laughs> around. It, so anyhow, so one day we went we ventured off to media play before the game and uh, we picked up this freshly released Rage Against the Machine Evil Empire on tape. And uh, we rocked that shit from beginning to end before the game. And talking about getting amped up, I'm I'm pretty sure somebody died while we were playing indoor soccer that day. And it wasn't from us hitting. We were just kicking the ball in people's faces and shit. We were lighting people up. It was fucking great. Uh, that's why I love playing soccer so much. Uh, incredible. Uh, I remember my uh, my buddy Larry that I went with, he stole this whole like stereo system out of the locker room and plugged it in in the gymnasium. And was playing nice. the cassette tape while we played our game, and the, the like the speakers were really shitty, so it sounded like fucking garbage. But we were still running around going, bah, 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 like you know, just fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, but you got like Bulls on Parade, People the Sun, Down Rodeo, Vietnam, Tire Me. Uh, there was just some of the singles from this album. It debuted at number one on the Billboard Top 200. They won a Grammy for Tire Me. It had two other Grammy nominations, and it went three times platinum. So that's not too shabby for Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. And I hate bringing up the same thing twice, but it just so happened. It's my birthday. Fuck it. I'll do it this time. Uh, and the second one, April 10th, 1996. And again, this is another long-awaited uh, appearance. This is the first time in almost three years this band got together to do a live performance. Not only was it their first performance in nearly three years, but it was an incredible acoustic performance, and it was held at the Brooklyn Academy of Music's Majestic Theater. Sadly, this was the last live performance the band would have with their legendary frontman, Lane Staley, whose last show, it was one of their, his last shows. The last show with Lane Staley was three months later. But of course... This is the live MTV Unplugged session with Allison Chains. And we posted something about this this past week on our Facebook. Of course, facebook.com forward slash dueling decades. Go there. We always have a bunch of content. We're always asking you guys questions. And we asked, what was your favorite Unplugged performance? And I'd say probably like 50 or 60% of these votes were for this Allison Chains performance. Yeah. You know, I was a little shocked, but I wasn't because it's a really great performance. You know, it's really sad because out of all the lead singers out there, a lot of people can be replicated. Lane Staley had this haunting voice that just cannot be duplicated, you know? Yeah. No, it can't. And, like, it, it, from track one, you put on the unplugged version of this and you start with Nutshell and it gets me, man. It's just, like, 
it's really good, but it's such a downer because you just know that we don't have that much time left with Lane Staley at this point. And he just yeah. deteriorated and deteriorated until he died in 2002. They found him dead in his home. And I think they said like right before that, at the time he was like 80 pounds or something, some crazy Jeez. shit like that. But anyhow, this uh, Allison Chains Unplugged, did we get a DVD release and a CD release as well? Uh, it went up to number three on the Billboard Top 200. It went platinum. And I think a lot of people always talk about the Nirvana Unplugged and how amazing it is because of how popular it was. But when you put them together musically, I think in my opinion, the Allison Chains one does hold up. It's just a, an amazing yeah. performance overall. You know, it's one of those albums. If you put this on with the lights down, it'll give you goosebumps listening to his voice. It's chilling to hear him sing some of these songs like down in a hole. It's crazy fucking album. Um, but those are the two. If I had to pick one who's better on my own round, I probably would say the Allison Chains Unplugged for me. I listen to way more than Evil Empire, even though it sold more copies. So sales doesn't always matter. Yeah, that's just because you haven't heard Space Wrangler by Widespread Panic yeah, yet. Yeah, I definitely would listen to that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, both of those albums are awesome. I actually liked that Rage Against the Machine album better than their first album. I know that's kind of blasphemy, but I don't know, man. People of the Sun, that song got me, man. That has such a nice groove to it. Every like every Great song tune. on there you can listen to. Yeah. You know, it's... There's not a bad song Their on first that album, album too. It's only ten songs, and you can listen to every song of that album as well. It's it's just one of those bands. Yeah. They just put out funky shit. It's got like this funky bass beat, like, and then of course it's kind of like new metal before new metal. So it kind of like leads right. into creating new metal because people are trying to copy their you know what they were doing and shit. And then of course they broke up and you know, whatever. But those are my two picks. All right, let's toss it over to Mike Ranger for the judgment so he can tell Man Crush that he won this round. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I'd like to thank you guys for making four choices that I know absolutely nothing about. Wow. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, now, the only thing I can say, at least with Man Crush's picks, I've actually heard of those two bands. You've never heard of Lita Ford? Uh, no, I I probably if you played me a song, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that. Do you want me to sing it again? Well, can you? Uh, what's her other song off that yeah. album? It was Kiss Me Deadly. OK, sing it. <laughs> Kiss me once. Kiss me twice. Come on, pretty baby. Kiss me deadly. I probably I don't even know if I butchered the lyrics that I might have made up my own. But yeah. I'm pretty sure my voice is spot on, and we lost every listener. You were good. I was about to tell Lita to, to, to bring Man Crush back to finish the show. She's got better tits, but you got a great voice, man. It's hard for me to do a female voice. I just can't do it. I've been sick for a week. The acoustics in this room are just not up to snuff. I've had a sore throat for a month. Sorry. All right. Uh, so <laughs> Now, as I'd also like to thank Mr. Was it Bill Weber that they, they called in with that? Yeah. That was nice. Nice touch. You guys are doing things. I like that. Um, but you know what? I feel like I'm going to make a bad decision just because I don't actually listen to any of this stuff. <laughs> um, so please don't judge me. if you're. 
I gotta give it to Man Crush because I, I actually have heard of the other two bands. Yeah, that's. I'm not gonna argue with that one. That Rage Against the Machine album was fucking huge. It was at that time. It was one of my favorite albums, and I was jamming out to it. So yeah, I can't argue with that. I was lost into the world of hip hop in the '90s. I apologize. I'm actually surprised <laughs> you didn't get that little bit of crossover because the thing is with Rage Against the Machine, especially in the 90s when we were in high school, I feel like there was two different groups of people. You had people that listen to rap. Actually, there's more than two different groups. So, like you had the people listening to like the top 40, and then you had like the heavy metal kids, and then you had the rap kids. Rage Against the Machine was kind of the group that brought all three of those together. Yeah. Oh no, they, they and that's I've definitely heard of them. I knew plenty of people that listened to them. I know that uh Wu Tang was on tour with them. You know, uh it's just not something and I have friends that are real big rage fans. So it's not that I I've never heard any of it or anything. It's just like fucking you know, I was a young impressionable child and I had clue tapes. <laughs> I, I could see you not listening to Alice in Chains. That's more grungy. Yeah, but I like Nirvana. I'm just fucking weird, you know? Some shit, it just takes me a while to to circle back around and, and get you it all in. You should listen to it now. No, I should. You might, I'm gonna you might like I'm some gonna other Alice in Chains stuff, but I think if you start with the Unplugged and you just hear this dude's voice, hmm. it's... When I say haunting, it's fucking haunting. Like, he has an amazing voice. That it's just crazy. It's so deep and... Oh, man. Well, if you're going to talk about amazing voices, you got to talk about John Bell, the front man from Widespread Panic. All right, Panic. let's move on. All right, let's get to this last <laughs> one. Finish this shit up for All right, Man Crush, you technically won this game and whooped my ass yet again. So, But we're still going to play on. We go to the final round, which is going to be movies. Would you like to go first or would you like to defer? Uh, I'll just go first. I mean, what, why? Why? delay it all right uh april 12th which is a day prior to my birthday which is a friday april 12th 1996 we get this movie with lines like this one hey kids where's your father uh he's upstairs masturbating to gay porn again (laughs) and proof that this movie is good roger ebert called it awful dreadful terrible stupid idiotic unfunny labored forceful painful and bad and yet he claimed he didn't laugh once but i did and wait here's another quote from this movie (laughs) (laughs) their drug is made of monkey cum you know mike you don't know what fucking movie this is i'm drawing a blank on this one is it uh i I know it from the first quote man (laughs) i i don't blame you i mean it's it's one of those movies it's cultish it's a movie that it only brought in $3 million in the box office, around $5 million in 2020. But I, w- I would definitely consider this a cult classic for many people. A lot of people like the series. I was preparing to go on a date the night that this was released. But this movie, which was the one I initially suggested because I thought it was far better date movie than what my other pick is going to be. But it didn't get released to our local theater. So I went to see my second pick. But of course, this is Mark. What's my pick? Kids in the Hall Brain That's Candy. Right. It's Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Because <laughs> <laughs> what we do is we lock you into your happiest memory chemically. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking fantastic movie. It's one of those movies where you have to pay attention to the little things. And I think that's yes, why absolutely. people don't like it. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff. And there's some 
stuff that's like right out in the open, like that line I said before. Hey, kids, where's your father? Oh, he's upstairs masturbating gay porn again. Yeah. You know, with like the whole bit with <laughs> cancer boy, oh, cancer, boy, which they didn't want. Paramount did not want that bit to be in no, the movie. They wanted that they out. Didn't. And uh, yeah, they lost that battle and it ended up being in the movie anyway. Uh, but it's fucking hilarious. I mean, you got to take it for what it's worth. It's it's comedy. It's not meant to be serious. And uh, kids in uh, kids in the hall are fucking great anyway. Of course, they're Canadian. Yeah, well, you know. And there's a there's a couple there's a Brendan Fraser like cameo uncredited. That's right. In this movie. That's right. Where they they're giving him the placebo pill, and he's getting uh, yes. acne on his face. <laughs> acne. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a nice little uh, added uh, bonus in that movie. This is like Brendan Fraser's almost huge at that point. You know, he's getting oh, to that yeah, point. Oh, yeah, he was right at the... Yeah. Well, this is 96. Uh, it's getting into the mummy years. So he's trending up before he disappears forever. Disappear forever. Just making that one up, too. <laughs> All right, so April 12th, 1996. Again, it's a Friday. Uh, you know what's kind of cool doing these picks on your birthdays? Is because like some of these you remember what was going on during that day. I never had that happen with any of the other birthday episodes I'm I was on. But since this this one was my 18th birthday, I actually remember shit. So this movie came out the night before my 18th birthday, and I had recently been dumped by my girlfriend like a week prior. All right, but look, man crush. He wasn't standing on the sidelines for long, and little did I know. News must have sent like shockwaves throughout like the senior class and all these single girls started like blowing up your peeper, calling my fucking (laughs) my non-existent Motorola (laughs) that I didn't have yet. Yeah, he didn't get that. Remember, I didn't get it. They were calling my house, leaving fucking messages on my answering machine that had (laughs) the beginning of the song Pearl Jam Porch on it uh, right up until the part where leave a message and it would beep. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Leave a so within a day or two uh, this popular girl like i went to school with i was with i was in school with her for like four years we knew we had the same friends and all this shit but we never really talked she started talking to me like a uh, fucking immediately so i was like hey you want to go on a date see a movie friday and she said yes and like i said before i wanted to see brain candy and she obliged but it wasn't at the movie theater so my second choice was the movie fear Oh, Let man. me just tell you. This, oh, yeah, that's a hell of a fucking first date there, man. This is not the movie <laughs> to bring your first date to. It's a fantastic no. fucking movie. No. But let me, let, let's put this stuff together. She's known me for four years, sort of, but not. we've never really talked. And now we're going to see this movie, Fear, which is basically the same shit because the girl didn't know this dude. I didn't know what I was getting into. Anyhow, uh, it's also the first time, albeit technically illegal, that I stayed out driving past 9 p.m. Wow. Because uh, New York, you got to be 18 years old to drive past nine. So I did that on that night. Fucking lawbreaker. I I, yeah. I have a question. Uh, was your second date uh, to an amusement park? <laughs> uh, no, it was to the Orange County Fair. <laughs> no. Oh, so there was a roller coaster. No, no, no. I was, uh, by the time the fair rolled around, uh, her and I were long separated. Anyhow, this was uh, Mark Wahlberg's first time being a star in a movie. Uh, he had done some acting and supporting roles prior to this. He was in Renaissance Man, of course. He was in Basketball Diaries. But this was like his coming out party as an actor. And he is pure nightmare fuel for any father of a teenage daughter. Uh, when, I, when I think of guys coming to take my daughter out, 
we're on the lookout for David McCall's for sure. If anyone even <laughs> comes to pick up my daughter and I get a whiff of David, the, he's getting his ass to, tossed to the fucking curb. So not only is this a great movie, but it also serves as almost like a uh, after school special for future fathers. So thanks, Mark Wahlberg. And also thank you, Reese Witherspoon, too, because you're just crazy hot in this movie. Uh, I guess Alyssa Milano, too, even though she's kind of the whore. Uh, but by the way, the movie did take in about $20 million in the box office. Uh, it's about $33 million in 2020. So it's pretty decent. And then Mark Wahlberg went on to start in like 71 movies. And he has an Oscar and or he was nom- nominated like twice or whatever. And the first fucking review I found of this movie, the chick said that he should never act again and should stick to modeling and work on his abs. I was like, ouch. Wow. Uncalled for. But yeah, uh, fear and new or new kids on the block. Fucking <laughs> kids in the hall. Brain candy. April 12th, 1996. I have a second question. Uh, when you went to the movies to see fear, did you have your date get you a Coke? I don't remember. I know. That's a line I, from I, the movie. Sorry. I don't even remember. <laughs> like, I just remember it being really awkward because I knew what the movie was going to be about. And I think she did as well because she was all about seeing it. It was probably because Mark Wahlberg was in it. But then, like, the scenes that transpired in the movie just made it, like, real weird. And I was like, oh, this is really I don't know. I thought it was a really romantic story. He <laughs> yeah, really liked he her. He really did until he cut her dog's head off. He really, really liked her. Cut a dog's head off. You know? Fucking uh, had sex with her best friend, with his friends. Hey, everybody shows affection in their I, own I way. I guess. Who are we to judge, you know? David McCall. Teach his own. Beat up her father. All right. So we'll head over to my movie selections. Uh, I got two movies that are almost the exact same film, really, when you take a look at it. My first one released February 5th, 1988. The John Hughes classic, She's Having a Baby, starring Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth McGovern, and Alec Baldwin. Uh, It's one of the last few films that John Hughes did. And a lot of people do believe that the uh, character that Kevin Bacon plays of Jake Briggs is actually the exact same character that he makes the cameo in in playing Trains and Automobiles because John Hughes filmed both of those movies about the exact same time. And then there's that crossover scene in the background of the TV from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But So yeah, this movie uh, didn't do so great at the box office, had a $20 million budget, Cumulative worldwide gross coming in just shy of that at uh, just over $16 million. Uh, but it has lived on and has become a cult hit uh, in the later years, mainly because of the great, talented name of John Hughes, who wrote it and directed it. So that's my first movie, She's Having a Baby. My second film is by horror master Wes Craven, and it was released also on February 5th, 1988. And that is The Serpent in the Rainbow, because... Much like she's having a baby, after you've had a baby, you walk around like a zombie for days on end. Isn't that true, Mike Ranger, who just had a child himself? You're right on there, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I remember those days. But yeah, so Bill Pullman is an anthropologist who travels to Haiti after hearing rumors about a drug used by black magic practitioners to turn people into zombies. So what happens, of course? He gets turned into a zombie. Spoilers. But uh, yeah, go check out The Serpent and the Rainbow, released February 5th, 1988. Kind of a different feel for a Wes Craven film. 
I remember watching this one when it came out, a few years after it came out. It's a little trippy, a little psychedelic, but it's still a really good film. Excellent performance by Bill Pullman in that movie. He was way cooler then before he became the president. Started to talk real gruff. Loved him as a president. <laughs> yeah, so those are my two movies for the movies round. She's Having a Baby and The Serpent and the Rainbow, both released February 5th, 1988. All right, Mike Ranger, let's head over to you for the final ruling on this game. All right, we're going to have to talk this out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's let's go over to Man Crush's picks. Now, Brain Candy, that, that's yeah. a Kids in the Hall movie? Yeah, right, yeah, now Chris Ranger is actually like the Kids in the Hall oh, guy. Shit. So on, I, I, I'm aware of the movie. I just haven't oh, you actually, actually seen you it. You can watch it. It's on YouTube for free if you don't have it. I mean, and I and I watched Kids in the Hall after school. You know, they used to Comedy Central used to play the reruns, but I actually have not seen that movie. Fear, on the other hand, I've seen a lot, mostly because of the roller coaster scene. <laughs> um, but then we go over to to Mark's picks, and he's got uh, she's having a baby, which you know is kind of like Fear. <laughs> um, now she's having a baby. I've seen a lot. You guys have probably seen this multiple times. It used to run on TV all the time. It's actually not time. one of John Hughes's better movies. Like there's parts of it that work really well. Yeah. But it, but then like you kind of just hate the wife. Yeah. In the movie, is that just me? I'm pretty sure Mark called it legendary in the beginning. <laughs> oh, you called it legendary. 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 It is legendary because it's John Hughes, man. Even fucking Curly Sue is legendary at this point. Well, that's the thing. I like John Hughes, and I and I and I would never want to exactly you know, not like something he does. <laughs> but you know what? I'll t- I'll say this. I like she's having a baby a hell of a lot more than fucking some kind of wonderful. Yes. I fucking hate some kind of wonderful. I don't remember that one. All right. Okay. Sorry. That's the one with oh, Eric Stoltz yeah, and yeah, fucking yeah. Molly. Yeah, uh, you know, and Molly Ringwald was supposed to be in that movie. It's the kind of like the she backed out of it, and that's when her and John Hughes yeah, like stopped yep. working together. Um, now the Serpent and the Rainbow. That's actually a pretty cool, trippy. It is Wes Craven yeah, movie. It's a lot different than his other films, but I think that's yeah, kind of cool the, about it. That's yeah, exactly. That's what I like about it. So. The tough part here is that I haven't seen Brain Candy, and I don't want to shortchange this movie. I could tell you right now, you'd like Brain Candy. I, 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 I bet yeah, I would too. I'm excited. I want to see it. Even I can tell you right now that you're gonna love Brain Candy. It don't fucking matter. I already lost this game. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Well, in the spirit of losing, I'm gonna hand this you round. You can't do that. <laughs> There's no fucking hand no. shit out. Well, I'm not gonna handing it to him, but fucking. Well, now that you. You ruined the surprise. Um, so, no, actually, yeah, I guess I out of all of these, I, I like Fear probably the most. But um, I've seen both She's Having a Baby and The Serpent and the Rainbow. So, and I and I like The Serpent and the Rainbow. So I'm going to go with Mark on this one. Well, I, I definitely recommend that you go on YouTube or just go out and purchase a copy of uh, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. It's a movie that's gonna you're going to watch over and over and over. And there's so many levels and layers to those jokes. It's got such great replay value. You know, every time you watch it, like Man Crush said, some of those jokes are hidden in there. And you're going to pick them out later. You love the boss. Or like the owner, the owner <laughs> of the pharmaceutical company is the best. Oh, God. 
I'm trying to order it right now on Amazon. <laughs> when he's talking about the coffee, he's like, my cap is Luke. And he's like, oh, your cappuccino's lukewarm? No, it's Luke fucking Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> it has cancer boy in it. <laughs> when they go to shake his hand, and he's yeah. like, oh, my marrow's yeah. low. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just low on marrow. Uh, you know what? There's a VHS copy oh, going for eight is. bucks. Buy it. So I didn't get the round, but I got you to purchase a fucking VHS live on the podcast. I dig it. (laughs) Well, there we go. Duelers, as Mike Ranger loads up on some kids in the hall brain candy, we're going to end this episode right here. Now, if you've missed an episode, you can always head back and go on our website, duelingdecades.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, wherever podcasts are available. And while you're on the interwebs, like Man Crush said earlier, head over to facebook.com forward slash dueling decades. We got all kinds of stuff going on there. We got our trivia games going on. Occasionally, we got scavenger hunts, different ways for you to earn points to be on the dueling decades leaderboards. All right, duelers. So until next time, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Infirmary Media.